Well, hold on now. How'd that sound over the microphone? Cape Thorny, you ready for mine? <laughs> Welcome everybody to the RNR Catcast, a fan-based podcast focusing on Montana State athletics. We're two dudes named Brian from the state of Washington talking about our dear Montana State. We hope you enjoy. Welcome back, Bobcat fans. MSU finishes his non-conference with a solid victory. We now look for a win against the Lumberjacks for the first time since 2013. How you doing tonight, Thorny? I'm doing pretty good. How about you? I'm doing really good, man. It feels good after a solid victory against Norfolk State, so I'm I'm feeling pretty good about that one. Yep, that was a very satisfying victory in every way you could pretty much think of. For sure, man. All right, let's get a little show outline, and then we'll get into our segments. Uh, let's see. So we're going to talk about our beers, as always. Uh, we're going to look at some news, uh, what Montana State did over the week, what happened in the polls, some injury status. We're going to do slightly a little bit on a game recap. We're not going to talk too much Norfolk State. We're going to frame that with more of a, the whole out-of-conference slate. Uh, we'll do some game preview coming up with our conference opponent against Northern Arizona. And then we'll end with our special segments by ourselves. We'll recap our bold predictions, and then we'll we'll get you on your way. But first thing first, we're going to talk about what we're drinking tonight. So, Thorne, what do you have over there? Well, hold on now. How'd that sound <laughs> over the microphone? <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> that was crisp. I like that. <laughs> All right. I like. It. Yeah, this is the Dry Fecta. It's a German style or style Pilsner from the. Widmer Brothers, I've had a few of them uh, over the last few days, and I'm obviously just drank one here. You know, it's pretty good. It's a little, it's a little more hoppy than your typical Pilsner. It's actually pretty good. I, I'm a big fan of it. Well, you're not much of the hoppy guy, so that's pretty interesting that you would like. I that, bet if I so. looked it up, though, it's probably still pretty low in the bitterness scale, though. <laughs> Cape Thorny, you ready for mine? Yes. Oh, that sounded good. Uh, that sound. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. I got a Montana beer tonight, a Lewis and Clark Tumbleweed IPA out of Helena. So I know Corey Chen, our friend Corey Chen, would like that. So here's to you, Corey. That's a classic one right there. Yeah, it's it's a little bit heavier alcohol than I normally like. I picked it up at Rose Hours today when I was uh, actually just before this. I, I went out because I, I didn't have anything interesting to talk about in the refrigerator. So I told my wife, I was like, I got to go. We'll pick it up. And uh, I decided I used to drink it. Well, when I lived in Great Falls, you know, it was just in a fridge kind of on a regular basis. And so I hadn't had it in a while and caught my eye, and here we are. Sounds good. Nice choice. Good Montana beer for a good Montana state victory. Because of said victory, the Cats moved up to number seven in the polls, uh, 11th in the coaches' poll. What do you think about the ranking there, number seven? You know, it's kind of like last week, I think, you know, keep on winning uh, we had a decided victory against an opponent that we should have we covered on the betting lines moving up one spot is pretty much where i thought we'd be i think there's a good difference that seven and 11 between the coaches poll uh i tend to agree more with the seven um maybe that's just a fan in me but i like that a little bit better than 11 i have no problem with either one of them but after last week is probably the first time i've actually felt like 
that looked like a complete team that might be a top 10, top seven team. So I'm okay with either one, but I feel like we actually might be a number seven team after that performance. For sure, man. Yeah, we look solid. We'll get into that. How did you have us sitting in the Big Sky Podcast Network power rankings that we voted? So I'll just give you my top five. How about that? Top five. Yep. Uh, so I went on number one, UC Davis. Number two, Weaver had us at third. U of M fourth and Sac State at fifth. What about you? I think I I had the exact same way, but I think I slid in a U into number five just ahead of Sac State. It was mm-hmm. a tough call. Mm-hmm. I think I think honestly, still the top five interchangeable, but most notably, Eastern dropped way down on my power rankings. <laughs> yeah, I had them at tenth. <laughs> I'm I'm not sure where I had them. I was only prepared about to talk about the top five, but yeah, they it dropped pretty far down there, and you know, Idaho jumped up, but still, Idaho, still, I below SAC and NAU in my my ranking. Yeah, I'm really interested to see how Eastern ends up this year. I mean, they've not lost a lot in the last decade, and so I'm wondering how they're going to recap. I know people around here over in Spokane are pretty nervous, so I'm enjoying that at the moment. <laughs> I think they'll get it together, personally. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, Eric Barrier, he looked way out of sorts when I was watching the bits of that game. I know they were missing some key players, and I think uh, Idaho just capitalized on on all of that. Well, they got stomped by Weber last year, and I don't think they lost again until the national championship game. So, <laughs> Yeah, crazy. All right, let's talk some injuries. So, um, And that's like one of the low-key storylines for the Montana State Bobcats right now is how many guys we have out. Starting to pile um, up. Yeah, we're pretty hurting unit right now. Uh, Logan Jones. I'm just going out on a limb when I saw him on the sideline. It looks like ab injury that sidelined him for all last year. I don't know what injury, uh, like the status of that is. I know he's not listed on the depth chart uh, this week. That could be something serious going forward. Again, we still have Munchie Filer out, a preseason All-American right there. We have Tayakata, our number one nickel. He's out. Afonso didn't play. Troy Anderson didn't play. I think I'm missing one more person in there, but some key players, you know, some preseason All-Americans, guys who've had accolades in the past are missing from the Bobcats right now. Who knows when we're going to get them back? Tote is always very, like, you know, he, he deflects the questions as he should, but uh, we, uh, as conference season is now here, man, I can't wait to get some of these guys back. If I had to make a guess, I'm saying Afonso is playing, I'm saying Troy probably plays. I'm, he's probably still a little limited. Uh, those two, I think, will definitely play. I think Jones, somebody on the board said broken ribs. I have no idea if that's accurate or not. Filer and Okada, no idea on those. Uh, but yeah, I think I think the Afonso for sure is going to play, which is good because now Jones is out. So it's like, all right, we'll just shuffle him back and forth between who's not injured. Yeah, I didn't hear about the ribs. So that I thought it was more of the ab thing that he was struggling with, but uh how long does a broken rib or ribs sideline you? Oh, they said like two to four weeks, and then you're pretty much just sore after that, which I thought seemed really short, but I've never broken a bone. So really, no idea. Yeah, there you go. All right, well, we have speed recovery to you, Logan Jones. Hopefully you get back. Because, man, that guy has carried us the last two weeks, and he's been just a stud. He was, so. was going to go for 250 on Norfolk. <laughs> I know. Gosh, we, we jinxed him, didn't we? Dude, I, I sent a text out to you and said, is he going to go for 200? <laughs> and then he tweeted it out through the R&R, and everyone was like, yeah, bye, bye, bye. And then he gets hurt on the next series. And so, <laughs> you put, sorry, Logan. You put it out on the Twitter universe, and he was smited. Smitten. Yeah. Smit. 
whatever the past <laughs> tense of smite is. <laughs> Smooted? That no, could no. be it. Okay. Moving on to the press conference so we don't sound like an idiot, so just keep plowing right through here. <laughs> Did anything stand out to you in the presser? Oh my gosh, Jeff Choate was intense in this presser. This was one of my favorite pressers I've listened to Choate on. He was barking orders at the media. Uh, he was fired up. He was fired up because now, and he said it without uncertain terms, it is conference time. We are 0-0. The previous four games mean nothing to him. He is ready to go. So, yes, I was just I was just jazzed just watching him go. I mean, at one point, I think Coulter's brother Brooks asked him a question, and he just, I don't even think he answered the question. He just got so fired up and just went on like a five-minute tirade about something tangentially connected to it. And I was just sitting there just laughing. I was like, gosh, this guy is juiced right now. <laughs> what did you think? Yeah, it's kind of like a, like a cat in the auto conference. He was just playing with his prey, and now he's going for the kill. Like, all right, no more no more messing around. This is conference time. <laughs> he was definitely intense. And I, I love Choate, but I'm sorry. Uh, you're not going to step down before you're ever fired. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's pretty no. fun. That's a pretty funny quote. Like, uh yeah, I'm not saying you're going to be fired or that you're doing anything wrong, but yeah, you're, you, that's a bold, noble statement. But I don't think that's going to play out that way. But yeah, he was he was fired up. Yeah, so I have two quotes that I wrote down that really stood out to me. One was he said, "quote I would have felt a lot better about this job had Dakota Pukop yeah. stuck around." <laughs> and um, this is really the first time I feel like I can remember he's publicly talked about that. And uh, it came on the heels of mentioning how the new coach for NAU, Chris, Chris Davis, uh, when it, excuse me, uh, Chris Ball came into the, the NAU job with uh, Cookies, you know, with him being a six-year senior. But he didn't have to mention Prukop, but, you know, he just, he, I, I think he was just so fired up that he just like, you know, he just said it. And I was like, oh, I wonder if he regrets saying that because I hadn't heard him talk about that ever. Am I Am I thinking that right or what did you think on that? I don't think I'd heard him say that before. Uh, maybe I did. I don't know. It didn't seem like it was brand new information, but it's definitely like didn't expect him to say that. But <laughs> no, like he he put that one out there, and I was like, whoa, that's that's interesting. Like that would add some meat on it for me. Any that's any coach's <laughs> dream to come into a spot, a new brand new place, and have like a veteran fifth year, fourth year senior quarterback leading the team. Of course, it's going to change things if uh, the guy who's been starting the last two years winning all conference and all American honors is like. Ah, uh, no. See you later. Sorry. So, yeah, of course you want. It would feel, you'd feel a lot different about the situation. Yeah. Well, I wonder if uh, Prukop has felt, like, a little remorse there. I don't know. I wonder if his time at Oregon was as fulfilling as he would have liked it to be. So. I, I bet not. I mean, he took a chance to go play at a high level, even if he didn't succeed. You know, he's probably just happy he took that chance. I, that's how I'd feel. Yeah. He paid bad on himself. Yeah. I guess the other quote that stood out to me was uh, he said we have to clean up the explosive plays that it's been coming kind of a regular thing in the last couple of games. And so that is something uh, that is concerning to me. And uh, I'm glad he just stated it because that was one of my concerns. Speaking of kind of off, uh, explosive plays on the other side of it, he did single out out of kind of out of nowhere, unprovoked Tyrone Marshall and Jane Smith as guys that have looked really good in practice who deserve some playing time. So It'll be interesting to see if we see some new wide receivers starting to get worked in as the season goes on. For sure. That's totally different from what we hear across the hill, right? So like the Grizzlies, and if you listen to Coulter's work, he always talks about like how Bobby Houck, you know, says, you know, you're going to work your way up, you're going to work your way up. And 
when you're a junior and senior, you're going to get to play. Well, Choate's saying just the opposite. You know, we're going to play them all. We're going to play them right now. See what we have. So when the time comes, because we're going to need you because of the roster limits in, in this level of football, the guys are going to be ready. Yep. That's the thing that I had on my notes, too, is that played a lot of guys. And, you know, I was wondering that's part of his long-term plan, right? Like he always says, we're going to get good in November. If I promise you one thing, we'll be better in November. And I think a lot of it is the fact that he's getting all these guys playing time right now. We're still winning games. So by the time late season comes, number one, if you have an injury in a key position, there's a guy behind you who's already had experience. So he's going to come in and be able to shoulder the load. And, you know, it just helps the depth as you go through the season. Yeah, and it takes those new recruits and it gives them a little bit of hope too. Like if you're a freshman coming into Montana State, you legitimately have a chance to play. And I think that's a pretty I think you said something about that too a year or two ago, talking about the way these kids are nowadays. Like they want the playing time right away. So if you get them at least a few games that in the redshirt rule, they get in, that kind of satisfies that aspect of it, if you will. Yeah, that four game rule is really beneficial. I really like that rule. I actually kinda of like it quite a bit as well. I wasn't okay. sure how I felt about it initially, but I like it. All right, Thorny. So let's, uh, anything else from that press conference? Nope. I think that sums it up. Yeah. I just like his intensity. And <laughs> he came out firing it. I just kind of like how he barked orders at the media. Yeah. Yep, <laughs> and he came so, out and did his Norfolk recap and said, all right, we're not talking about that anymore. Done. <laughs> but you and I are going to talk a little bit about Norfolk. So why don't you get into the stats for us? All right. <laughs> Man, did we have some out-of-this-world stats in this game. 39 first downs. Oh, that's my a, gosh. That's crazy talk. Uh, Norfolk has 15, downs. man. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't mean to talk over no, you. But... No, Whoa. it's exciting. <laughs> it's exciting to talk about. Uh, 449 rushing yards, 8.6 yards per rush, 221 passing yards, which is Equally exciting as the 449, even though 221 in itself isn't a huge number. It is in this offense, 670 total yards. Did lose that one fumble. What was that fumble? I'm not, it's not coming to my mind. No, we didn't lose a fumble. We caused a fumble. Michael Jobman, his helmet hit uh, the running back's uh, ball and just creamed out. It was the second uh, second series of the game. So, yeah, that's the no, one. I, I was misreading the stat sheet. It said there was a fumble, but we, we must have recovered it. Yeah, shame on you, man. Uh, yeah, sorry, I'm the stack guy. Let's see, anything else stick out here? Third down conversions were really good. 7-11, fourth down, three of three, four sacks. Uh, we held another opponent to a really bad third down percentage, five of 14 for Norfolk. So that's another good sign trending that we're getting better on third downs for one. We're still dead last in the conference in third down conversions ourselves. So that's something that needs to be worked on. Still moving forward. I thought our kick coverage was a lot better. I can't really back that up with stats right now. You know, other than that, it was just dominating performance. Like, they had 108 rushing yards, but they had, what, that 65-yard touchdown run or whatever. So mm-hmm. that's like more than half their yards on one run. They lost 56 yards in rushing via sack. So really just dominating all over the place, especially in the run game. It was a fun game to watch. I mean, it was never in question. We scored 14 points in every quarter. And that's one thing that stood out to me. If you look at the box score, I don't think I've ever seen MSU score the exact same amount of points in every quarter. And Norfolk scored seven in the first three and didn't score any in the fourth quarter. So that was, I mean, if we're being consistent, <laughs> that's that's straight consistency right there. Yeah, true. And uh, this is actually worth noting some individual performances. And we're talking about stats here. 
Uh, we might as well talk about it. Tucker Rovick, 21 to 27 with 221 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions, did not get sacked. We had three running backs over 100 yards. First time ever? Was Is that what I hear? Or the first time in a long time? Can't remember what it was. But. I don't think we've ever had three over 100 in the same game. So I'm going to say that's yeah, the first yeah, time. Yeah, Lane that. Sumner had 11 carries for 113 yards. Shane Perry, 13 carries for 111 yards. Logan Jones, seven carries for 101 yards. So pretty crazy that we just had three running backs all the way down to like sixth and seventh on the depth chart in reality, getting 100 yards on, oh, let's be honest, Norfolk's run defense was atrocious. <laughs> yeah, we could have run, run plays the whole game, and I think we would have been just fine. Um, I'm glad we didn't. I didn't see Demarius Hosey out there. That was one thing I kept thinking about. I was like, man, where's Demarius Hosey? Because he has been in the last two games. Are we saving him? What are we doing? Was he injured? I don't know. I thought I heard that we're trying to redshirt him. I don't remember where I heard that. Well, I mean, if you listen to Cho today, then uh, <laughs> I don't know. That's contradictory to what he was saying. What was he saying? You know, he said play him. Like, he was talking to Eric Frazier, and he was talking about, you know, we got to play these young guys, and then, you know, if they have a redshirt season down the road when they get hurt, then they have it. I mean, look at Logan Jones. That's exactly what happened to him. And he was able to take that redshirt season last year and then save it for this year. So and that was Cho. I mean, that's coming from the head man right there. So I think yeah. I'm just still confused. Why would we use Hosey early on and not later? I don't know. So No, we haven't seen him for a few games. He's not even on the depth chart, so not sure what's going on there. But let's talk a little bit about, let's talk about the the big thing of the day, though. Tucker Rovig's performance. What uh, what stuck out to you about his play? Uh, just his efficiency. I mean, the couple things that stuck out to me with Rovig uh, were – how he could hit the seam ball, how he could hit the deep pass. His touch on the ball was just phenomenal. I mean, the, the passes down the sideline were just crisp. Uh, his seam passes were on time. I mean, yeah, he missed a couple of plays, right? I mean, people are going to be critical about that. But the thing that I wanted to really talk about Rovig was when you just watched Tucker on Saturday, he seemed really comfortable and he seemed in command, like in the plays. Like, so when you're watching the huddles and he's dictating the cadences, he just he didn't seem out of sorts, and I just really thought like, man, he just looked like he belonged back there. And so, um, really happy for the kid. And I just you know this is kind of the same feeling we had after Wagner last year. And you and I talked about this at at length, and we thought this was like going forward. And then all of a sudden, you know, Troy Anderson comes out on in the next game. And so I just hope. <laughs> I mean, I know I know you're a little bit worried about something like that happening. I, I don't think so for me. I think he's going to continue to play. But, man, yeah, he had such a, a good game. And it was just so refreshing to see Montana State pushing the ball down the field with some accuracy. You see, like, him come out and look like that, and it's like, no offense to Obama, but how did he not win the job? So clearly there's some sort of disconnect between the way he was practicing and the way he played on Saturday. But, yes, he, yeah, he came out there, like you're saying, in command. He was decisive, and maybe he didn't make the best read, but he made good reads. He threw to guys and that were open and or threw them open and completed passes. And honestly, he had should have had another what twenty twenty five yards when he hit Cassis on the numbers when he was kind of sliding foot first, like right in the chest. Like that's a catch that any receiver should make, you know. So yeah, that should have been you know twenty two or twenty seven for two hundred sixty yards, two hundred fifty yards, whatever. So I mean, he looked good. He made good reads and like. We are saying maybe there were some wide open touchdown passes that he missed, but 
he those weren't like plays that turned out bad. Like he still moved the chains or he made the right throw. So it's just like it was just a just where where has this been? Like it's just completely like slapped you in the face. Like what the where the hell did this come from? <laughs> so he's kind of a weird person to think about too. Like so what when has Rovig actually played? He's played in these two um, non-conference games that have been like Wagner slash Norfolk, kind of like maybe a little bit on the same level. And then he played against, he started his first game against South Dakota State when South Dakota State, I believe, was third in the nation. He had a terrible first half. He had a serviceable second half. And so you're like, <laughs> you know, like there's no real middle of the road. It's been like this, like these extremes. And so uh, if he starts this week, I think that would be a really good test for us. If nothing else, Rovig presents an opportunity to pass a ball, and boy, do we need it because our defenses against Montana State really just stack the box. They know we're going to run the ball, and so you don't see a soft box against us very often, right? And Norfolk State played some soft box against us. As Chosette wanted to say, they were playing more quarters, and that really gave us an, you know, an advantage in the run game. Well, when Rovig's back there, he's going to be able to sling it around a little bit. They're going to have to respect that. And so I'm really interested in seeing how that affects the defenses that play. It's weird us. to see people on the board or talk about how, like I've seen enough of aerobic sample size to know who he is based on all like before this game even came, came about, like people started made up their mind about Rovic because he played in South Dakota state in Wagner. Let's review that real quick. <laughs> I want to talk about South Dakota state. Number one, they had like a top 10, 15 defense, maybe top 20 defense that year. They're really good defensively. Missouri Valley football defense is really good. It was his first start ever, and it was still uh, before Matt Miller took over. So who who was calling the plays? Was it Armstrong? I can't even remember now. It gets so hard to keep Gosh, track of yeah, who's I been think doing it was what. Armstrong. You know, right? God. That's and then it was another... Bob Cole, and then it wasn't. And it's so yeah, crazy. And another thing, the poor guy, any poor quarterback in Montana State, has so many different offensive coordinators, so many different quarterback coaches like every year it's someone different so whatever mechanics tweaking they did this season or that he displayed on saturday was a big step from a south dakota state matt miller is calling the plays now which i think pretty much we're all agreeing that the guy can coach the guy can uh, call some plays call oh, game plan yeah. mm-hmm. so it's his third game so i don't understand how anyone could pop- like at this point bauman had started more games than Rovig, so I don't understand how people were so made up about Rovig. But, and I also don't understand people saying he didn't have a good arm strength. He looked plenty zip on the ball on Saturday. So <laughs> I've never understood that one, and I've defended it on the board every time I see it. It's like maybe he puts too much air under some balls, but it's not due, lack of arm strength. It's just the way he kind of throws the ball. Oh man, I don't, I thought all of his balls looked really good. Like the I, one specifically, like the deep balls, he was putting them right on the money. That one to Snell in, in the middle of coverage, like holy cow! Like I mean, some of it, even his incompletions were just like you know they were right there, and and I was super impressed. Like my favorite play from Rovic came right before the half, and you kind of mentioned it just a little bit ago. Was that one where um, hit Cassis on the scene um, in the middle and. uh Cassis dropped the ball. It was right on his numbers. He slid, but, you know, we catch that. We're probably going to score right there. But, you know, when I looked at his body language, he wasn't pouting. He wasn't doing anything. He just, the, the camera went right back to him, and he was just orchestrating the next play. He's like, all right, we got we missed that one. On to the next one. And I was just like, whoa, that's some, like, maturity right there, you know. He could have sat there and go, well, he could have, like, looked at Cassis and been frustrated, but he didn't. He just went on to the next play, and bam, 
we ended up missing that field goal at the very very end of that half. Man, I was I was really impressed with that throw. I wish Cassis would have caught it because I think we could have scored there. Yeah, I, that was the one I was talking a little bit about earlier. Yeah, and I forgot kind of the circumstances of the throw too. Like it was in a kind of an important two minute drill type situation. So that was a really good yeah. throw. Uh, the one I liked is the one that people have been talking about. The one where he's like rolling left, and he kind of just like throws against his body and just throws a dart to the sideline and completes it to I think it was Derek Snell. Mm-hmm. Who caught that one? That was such just like a strong throw that like I haven't seen anybody make since Pruka, probably. Like that's just the arm strength and the athleticism to make that throw mm-hmm. and put it on the money. So yeah, that was my favorite throw and just a, a sign of like a guy who can make throws that we haven't seen, like a quarterback, like a, just a true quarterback. Or just like a easy like throw like to Johnson, like on that slant in the touchdown. Just completing those just makes me happy as as a fan, right? So yeah, that's like a job touchdown. Program. That's like a touchdown pass, like every other college program ever throws, and but they're pretty pretty scarce around here. So that was a very nice just to see Jonathan get separation and a quarterback find him and see him and throw it to him in stride and touchdown. <laughs> so Rovig still remains like a man of mystery to me. Like we haven't seen a lot of interviews from him. So I watched the post game that a Driscoll Pat a Driscoll Cap put up. And by the way, uh, Shane's audio and video uh, after these uh, these pressers and what he's been filming is just so good. So nice job, Shane. Well done. If you want to look at Shane's work, uh, check him out. He's out, he's calling himself the Bobcat Outsider, and he's teaming up with Skyline right now to help put those out. So just a little plug in for Shane. But back to what I was saying, the Rovig at the presser, like I'm like I haven't seen him talk all that much, and so I'm trying to gauge this guy. I'm like, you know, what kind of like. How is he with the media? He seemed a little bit skittish in front of the media. What did you think? I didn't watch it. Oh, well, there you go. So <laughs> I'm I'm interested to see some more interviews with him, how he progresses. And I just want him to feel comfortable. I've been a big Rovig guy for a long time. I think it's pretty cataloged through this podcast, but I'm just really happy for him. So I want to say something else about Rovig moving forward. But first, let's, uh, anything else we want to say about Norfolk? Um, I just kind of throw it out there. They just looked outmatched to pretty much every position, and we took advantage of it in every possible way. We'll talk more about our deficiencies and the good, bad, ugly for what the Cats we see, which is all going to tie back into this game. But is there anything else specifically you want to mention about this game? No, I think we're good. Okay, so to continue on the Rovig discussion, it sounds like we're like gushing about him, right? Like, But I think you boys still both have reservations. We want to see more. This is, like I was just talking about, this will be his fourth start. So I think it's going to be his third start. No, fourth start. You're right. Fourth yeah, start, yeah. South Dakota State, and then the Wagner. So he's played two completely outmatched opponents and then national title contender. Those are his, <laughs> his sample size. So now we're getting into it. We're going to play pretty normal conference team, NAU, who is good. Like, they're probably above average, but, you know, it's just a conference. They're not like a top 10, top 15, top 20 team. This mm-hmm. is a good conference matchup early in the season to – see who's real and who's not. I'm I'm afraid the fact that now we have Robig in here, what happens if Robig comes out and just stinks up the joint? What do oh. we do after NAU? So how do you think he stinks up the joint? Because I think he can manage the game fairly well. And I think that's all we were really asking from Bauman when he was in. So what what do you think he would how how do you think he would stink up well, the game? Well let's say he comes out and he throws ten for twenty five Zero touchdowns and three interceptions. 
well, I would I would say that it would be highly unlikely. But if if that happens, it happens. I mean, we still have a good running game, so. But I would say that would be highly unlikely. But, but my question is, like, then what do you do quarterback wise? So if you if you gave <laughs> Rovig a chance, and then he took it, and then he gave it back, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. Then then all of a sudden well, you have two me... quarterbacks who were basically uh, <laughs> coming off of really bad performances, and all all of a sudden you're back to a horrible. That's why I, I wasn't. I was pretty shocked to see us go to Rovig for just planning long-term for the season. Like, okay, so yeah, he did good and that's great, but now he has to keep doing it. Otherwise we're right back to square zero. And all of a sudden we're already one game in the conference. We're like, basically we've gone nowhere. Exactly. And I think you and I can agree that Jeff Choate has not been consistent on how he manages our quarterbacks. And so I really have no good answer for that for me. <laughs> nope. And that's why I still have a little bit of like uh, flashbacks here. All right. So <laughs> Rovick did really good against Wagner and all of a sudden Troy Anderson trots out next week. So I'm sitting here like in my corner, like having like little flashbacks here. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> Who's going to come out? It, like all signs point to Rovick. So that's exactly why it won't be Rovick. <laughs> That's so what's happened last year. Yeah, so my thoughts on I I guess I'll just I'll put it this way. The way he passed the ball, the way he managed the game just seemed a little bit more comfortable than what Bomb was doing. So even if he comes out and he and he has that scenario that you said, I think we probably still go with him from here on out. No, I agree. I'm just just throwing it out there to for discussion purposes. That's the whole point <laughs> of this podcast, right? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I don't want to think about Troy Anderson hobbling out there uh, on Saturday making his start at quarterback. I really think that's like a 0% chance. Uh, and if, if Rovick really does struggle, I think Bauman's going, going back in. So I think we're committed to that at this point, and I think that's a good situation for Montana State to be in. I agree. Okay. All right, so let's talk about – let's just talk about the out of conference in general. We we kind of want to do some what? Some good, bad? Mugly, yeah, kind of plan. That. So maybe maybe we each take a good and say a few good, and kind of talk a little bit about it, and just work our way down the good bad ugly list. Yeah. All right. So why don't you kick us off? Okay. So let's start with the good. I think um, out of conference, two things that came to mind was our defensive line play. Uh, Bryce Sturck, namely, <laughs> and that guy is a good interview. Talk about a good interview, man! I love listening to that after. I love watching him. He's game. an animal. Yeah, oh, gosh, yeah. Like, man, just he's a wrecking ball right now. Like, that guy is the real 37 for sure. Um, <laughs> defensive line play, outstanding. I And I'm going to put Tucker Ovig back in there. Uh, his emergence, man, I just I just love what I saw last game. Continue it on, Tucker. And, and, and do what you said, because after the game, he said, I just need to go be me. Go be you, Tucker. If you're listening to this, go be you. You do you, dude. Just to throw this out here too, for future references, <laughs> I don't like the good, bad, ugly segment wise because it's basically one positive and two negatives. Why can't it be like good, okay, and bad? <laughs> Why can't we it can be do like whatever that? we want, Thorny. We're moving <laughs> forward in this show, man. Yeah, that's true. This is kind of like our <laughs> podcast. Who am I complaining to? Where's the producer? I'm talking. <laughs> I am the producer. Okay. So, all right. Yeah, I agree with those points. I've loved the play of that defensive line. I've loved the play of the offensive line. I was a little disappointed coming out of Texas Tech, maybe because I just had such ridiculously high hopes for the offensive line, but they've handled their business well, and they just completely dominated Norfolk and SEMO. So I'm I'm really impressed with them. 
another thing that I've actually I put in the good categories, I just liked our schedule, just in general. Especially on a 12-game year, you have basically an extra game, so why not make it a money FBS game? It's not going to hurt you in terms of your playoff chances, really. It's just going to be a nice payday for you. And then you still get like the three out of conference game, which I we selected well. One team from like what I'll call the like a power FCS conference, one from like a mid-major FCS conference, and then one from kind of a historically weak conference. So, but all of them good full-fledged FCS teams. And one away game, two home games, like that's kind of like the dream schedule right there. So I put that in a good category. Just one critique: if Leon Costello is listening to this, let's have one more night game next year. Yep, those are those are fun. Yeah, absolutely. I think the fans really get into its early season night games. I know when I talk to the players, they love the night game. Let's get it going. And the other thing I really liked, just the play calling. I thought Matt Miller's done a great job of putting players in a position to succeed offensively. I know there was some criticism after the Western Illinois game, but I honestly thought he gave Casey Bauman plenty of throws he could make, and he just was whiffing on them, so I don't blame that at all on Miller. So that was the other thing that I had in my good category for the out-of-conference slate. That's a good point there. Good point. I think Matt Miller's been uh, a really nice addition to the the OC booth. He hasn't gotten a lot of like accolades because our quarterback play hasn't really made him shine. If you can take an offense led by Troy Anderson and turn it into a playoff caliber offense, you're you're doing a good job. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> You got to be pretty creative to figure out how to move the ball <laughs> when everyone knows you can't throw the ball and yeah. you're just going to run it well, without so turning true. into a full fledged, like triple option. <laughs> so true. <laughs> so true. Anything else you got in the good category? No, I really liked what you said about the, the conference schedule. Uh, we just look good right now. I think we have positive moments. That's the biggest thing. Well, yeah, good that we're three and one. That's good. Let's put that right in there. <laughs> Sometimes you guys. Sometimes we don't state the obvious. I feel like we should state the obvious some more. Yeah, we are three and one. We're number seven team in the nation. Yep. How, how about that's, that? That's good. You know what the Grizzlies are? I don't know. I actually like don't. Number number like eighteen. High teens. Suck on that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Got to do a Grizz jab once in a while. We we hardly ever do. We're like no. the most like peace. Like we are. We don't do that, but. Whatever. Anyways, the bad. Thorny, why don't you start us off with the bad? You're going to be the bearer of bad news. I think one of the worst things I've seen, and I went back and forth on this to go into ugly or bad, but I put kickoff coverage in bad only because it improved against Norfolk. Otherwise, it would have gone straight into the ugly category. But after listening to the show and the press conference talking about moving some starters over there, Josh Hill was in there. He absolutely demolished a guy on a kick return, I think, third or fourth quarter. I put that into the, all right, bad category trending upwards i thought our shotgun snaps have been pretty spotty the one snap that was just a miserable snap to troy anderson against western illinois that pretty much cost us touchdown in that one that was a bad one i saw another one a couple more on saturday where tucker had to be athletic just to get it under control i don't know who's playing center right now was it denver crone yeah that's what that's who i'm thinking and he's done a good job but his snaps have Definitely an improvement. So I'll put that in the bad category. <laughs> and also, and, thought, uh, hold on. On Denver Crone, sure. didn't he snap it off his leg in uh, against uh, Western Illinois? I have no idea. I don't, I don't know where you heard that. Or I didn't no, that. like we had a center snap it off his leg. So he hit like his eye or something that caused us to. Yeah, Troy Anderson was taking this snap. And yeah. we were in the red zone. 
It was a really, yeah, it was like second or third down and like <laughs> goal from like the three. And it, it was a shotgun snap. Maybe we shouldn't be in shotgun on third and goal, huh? But anyway, so he snaps it and it just like like farts upwards, like never had any juice on it. It was really like <laughs> Troy Anderson like jumped because he thought it was going over his head and he realized, oh, this ball's like moved only three feet forward. <laughs> it was really funny looking. It was not good. Sorry, I derailed you. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. It was in my back category. We're talking about it. The only other thing I had on there is I don't think that I don't know where to find this stat at this level of football, but I feel like our blitz uh, success has been pretty poor. Like we blitz like five or six guys, and they just get picked up like every time. I feel like we can get to the quarterback with like front four, the front five, and then get into a coverage sack type thing. But if we're like blitzing the house, like it, it gets picked up like every time. So I don't think our blitz percentage is very high. But that could be just my my judgment and not an actual no dad back that one. I hadn't thought about that. So I'll take a look at that this week. So my bads were our penalties. We seem to be just shooting ourselves in the foot. Now, I think every game so far, we've had more penalties than our opponent. That's something we really got to kind of clean up going into the conference. And I was waffling on this between bad and ugly. Our pass defense right now is the something that has been not desirable. I had both of the things <laughs> that you just said in my ugly category. So Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little bit more harsh on our penalties and our past defense than you. So both those things you just talked about, I actually had in my ugly category. Penalties, I've been really displeased with. And our past defense, zone defense, same thing as last year. The seam has just been bad. And... Norfolk burned us a couple times deep just on man-to-man coverage. So even our man-to-man coverage suffered a little bit. So I'm not sure what to do about the pass defense. It's been pretty porous. I think if our zone defense is bad, that's that's a, that's a player thing. I just don't think we have the speed at linebacker to be good at zone. Koozie question here. Uh, golden Koozie question. And unfortunately, give me a second to pull it up. I forget who it's from. How much effect will having Troy back in a linebacker if he does, in fact, play this week, help in our zone pass coverage that has been a little soft over the last two games. That's from Brett Patrick on Twitter. So you were just talking about speed of linebacker. Do you think Troy back at linebacker will help us the zone defense? Well, that's a good question. I think uh, anytime Troy can be on the field, it's not going to not help you. So, yes, I think the short answer is yes. I agree with that, and it's not necessarily even that he will be in zone coverage. The fact that I think his ability to pass rush the quarterback is going to help our zone defense because he's going to be blitzing every once in a while but even if Troy's in the wrong spot he's fast enough to get to the right spot before anything too bad happens so at the very worst it I think it'll help just having someone with some speed back there I don't think it's going to necessarily solve it though yeah I know I think we did move down Brandon Conkle to linebacker against Norfolk to try and really just help us out there and I honestly don't know I thought it was a great idea, but I'm not sure how much it actually helped. Choate was really mad after the game, and I wrote down his quote. He said, if we got Case Cook is coming in town, and if we have pass coverage like we did today, it's going to be a long day for the Bobcats. And he went on to say, we're going to have our fellows' attention for sure on that. So he knows, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure they've been stressing it throughout this week. So I'm going to take a little solace in that. Yep. So good question, Brett. Thanks for your question. and. That's the only question we have. So by default, you are our winner. Not saying it wasn't a good question, but uh, yes, you win. Yep. Round of applause. Woo! 
golden koozie. Hashtag golden koozie. Get those out there on the social media. Hashtag golden koozie. I saw Travis Lule said he used his this weekend in Bozeman. Nice. I don't know if you saw that or not. He responded to our tweet. I did. I did, man. It was it was one of the proudest moments of my, yep. my Twitter life right there. <laughs> uh, who, who, who are you kidding? Your entire life. It probably was, man. I love, <laughs> I love Travis Lule, man. My favorite Bobcat for sure. That's so cool. When you, when you sent me, you literally just sent me in Texas says, "Look at Twitter." And I was like, "What?" And I pulled it up, and I saw that, man. I was beaming. I was beaming. I was proud. <laughs> I love that. It's a cool thing that you've done. Yeah, this is all Foley's idea. If anyone listening didn't know that already, this is his brainchild. Congrats. Well, uh, you know, I'm running out of golden koozies, and I'm gonna have to reorder. It's getting kind of popular, so uh, keep sending those questions in, and we'll uh, we'll read them on the air, and we'll get you the golden koozie in the mail. How about that? Sounds good. So let's talk one last thing here. Um, put a little bow on this. What do the mm-hmm. cats really need to improve upon going into conference? Like, what are maybe one thing from each of the units, perhaps? I guess special teams aside, what's one thing the offense needs to do, and one thing the defense needs? To do? Make us make it so we can have a run at the conference championship. Well, for offense, I think we need to improve our third down and fish. And I think that's just going to be able to move the ball on first and second down and doing a little bit better than that. You know, Tekarovic's the guy that he's going to have to hit some passes downfield, soften up the ball. But that's the main thing for offense. For defense, I really think it's got to be improve our zone coverage, whether that's how we play. If that means just maybe getting some guys back like Munchie Filer, Ty Alcada. That nickel spot's going to be huge on Saturday when we're playing Case Cookus, right? So maybe disguising coverages, but maybe just, I don't know how we are going to fix that middle, that soft middle that we've been really prone to, but we got to figure that out. So those are my two things I would think we need in order to really fix this thing going into conference. Well, honestly, you stole both of mine, but I do have something to add that will help fix at least the third down problem, penalties. Stop making stupid penalties. We're not a team that's good at coming from first and 15, first and 20. It's like a, just a throw the, just might as well punt it right then. You know, <laughs> it's like, that's why our third down part of the reason I think we've been so bad on third down is we get ourselves into third and eights, third and nines. And we're not built for that. At least not now, but maybe with a uh, Tucker Rovig at the helm, someone who can sling the ball around a little bit that will help us quite a bit, but the penalties will help that aspect for sure. And definitely defensively, Get that pass defense short up. This is the Big Sky Conference, historically a conference that throw the, throws the ball over the place. We have Jake Meyer and Dalton Sneed on the schedule and Case Cookus. So we have like three of the best quarterbacks <laughs> we're going against. And they will shred us to pieces if we can't figure this out. For sure. I agree. All right, man. Let's move on to the game preview for Northern Arizona. What do you think about that? The Northern Arizona Lumberjacks who have... Been off to a pretty good start so far. Yeah, so they started off with Missouri State, who is in the Missouri Valley Conference. They won 37-23, so that was their first game. That was a good win by them. I was a little surprised by that. That's uh, coming out as a, with a first-time head coach and really not knowing what to expect against a Missouri Valley football team, even if it is a historically pretty bad one. Pretty good win. Yeah. I think next they played New Mexico State or Western New Mexico State, which is, I don't even think it's an FCS team. Something no D2. They shellacked them 51-21. Um, they, hung tw- or they hung tough with uh, Arizona, the FBS school, a 65-41 loss there. 
And last week, they were in the game for a long time, but Illinois State, uh, Illinois State, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> now it's in your head forever. Yeah, for sure. I caught myself. <laughs> Illinois State, 40, NAU 27. So they're 2-2. Two and two. I mean, they look good. I was watching a little bit of the game. I think they have some weakness that we can exploit specifically. I think we're going to be able to run the ball. But Case Cook is just he's a guy that we just really have to key in on. I, I did watch a little bit of two of their games. I watched a little bit of their Arizona game and a little bit of their Illinois State game. Uh, they did not hang with Arizona. Okay, yeah, so maybe they scored 30, 20, 30 points in the third, fourth quarter, but it, the game was at halftime, it was 51 to 10 or something. Arizona just didn't care in the second half. <laughs> that so was, that 41 to 65 is not as good looking as. No. Okay. Arizona put up 50 on them on, before halftime. Gotcha. So <laughs> not quite as impressive as it might seem on the surface. I mean, still, Case Cook is throwing all over Pac-12 defense. Any at all is still good, but don't get me wrong. But Illinois State game, I was actually pretty impressed with Illinois State. Those That's a big team. Those are a physical-looking bunch. Like, that's a, a good-looking Missouri football conference team. And they hung with them on the road, so that was... That was a decent one, but yeah, they ended up wearing down, and I think that's probably what's going to happen against the Bobcats. I just don't think NAU is built for a physical brawl like they're going to get when they come into Bozeman. Well, we're on a three-game losing streak to NAU. I think Jeff Choate has a little bit of angst when it comes to NAU because he's lost some really close games against them, and I think I'm calling this a revenge game for Jeff Choate. I just keep end up talking about this all, all season long on the podcast so far, all this checklist that Choate has right I guess it's mm-hmm. another one to check off of his little list there he's the season of the checklist like he's like I haven't beaten in a U I'm gonna do it this year I haven't had a good road win got one like it's just he's haven't got a signature win beat the number 12 team in the country it's all coming together it seems like I think and this is another opportunity for us to really put ourselves on the map because I still think a lot of people myself included are still not quite sure what the Bobcats truly are. You're kind of seeing it come to form, but there's still some questions that need to be in. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to have the team hyped up for Saturday, and I, I think the Bobcats will win on this one. Thorny, going into this game, if you look at NAU and you start looking at the rest of our season, how it's going to play out, this is the biggest test in the conference before we hit UC Davis and U of M at the end. So we really got to win this game in order for us to be positioned well going into the latter half of the season. Agreed. And there's some interesting things about this game. I forgot that uh, Aaron Flugrad is the offensive coordinator for NAU. Yeah. So plenty of cat fans should remember him. He was the head coach at Missoula before he got fired for people selling hot dogs to players or something. I don't remember. Well, you're actually <laughs> a little bit incorrect there. Aaron Flugrad is his son. Robin Flugrad is on the oh, staff dang, as well. Yeah, that's right. Jeez, I'm an idiot. Yeah. The yeah, guys. so they're both they're both on the staff. I think Robin Flugrad is the special team. No, he's the tight ends coach, I believe. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I got my Flugrads mixed up. But yeah, that was a, a little connection there. Some stats that I I looked at some stats today, trying to see anything that would look good or bad for us. Uh, I mean, they're coming in scoring forty points a game. They have the number two passing offense in the conference. They have thrown for three hundred ninety one yards a game. And like you said, this is an FBS school, D2 school, and then two Mount Vernon, or Mount, I live in Mount Vernon. That's where I saw the MV, the two (laughs) Missouri Valley football conference schools, 301 yards a game, 13 touchdowns, only four interceptions. They're number four in the conference in kickoff returns, averaging 21.4 yards per kick return. 
They're number three in third down conversions. Um, they're number five in holding teams, the third down, third down conversion defense, which is not good for us because we are currently dead last, even after our last two good weeks we've had. Our first two were so awful. It's back that far back. <laughs> and they're also number one in opponent penalties. They get a lot of flags to get thrown their way. And I was listening to Choate. Uh, he was actually talking about that. He said kind of their strategy of throwing the ball like, what did he say? Like, what did uh, they throw in the ball deep like 49 times or something like that yeah. this year? And he says like half the plan is to either complete the pass or just to draw a PI penalty. So it goes right in line with the fact that they get a lot of flags thrown against the team they're playing against because that's strategy of theirs to do so. So And uh, coming in like us having problems with penalties, I think that's going to be something we really have to keep an eye on. Oh, for sure. Those are kind of the bad matchups I saw. The good ones, they are number nine rush defense. They gave up 168.2 yards per game, and they gave up eight touchdowns on the ground. Um, I'm guessing we're going to go well over that. They only have the number 12 rushing offense. They don't even get 93 yards a game on the ground. They're number 10 in penalties, so yes, they get a lot of penalties thrown against the team they're playing against, but they also commit a lot themselves. And they're only number eight in turnover margin. They're negative 0.25 turnover margin. So Definitely some things we can exploit. Yep. It's just going to be a pass-heavy offense on Saturday. Now, I'm really interested to see how the Bobcats prepare for that. I noticed you have a couple of key players we should keep an eye on, outside of, obviously, Case Cookus, the oh 12th-year senior. <laughs> yeah. And just two two that came out to me was uh, Joe Logan, uh, their senior running back from Buckeye, was, uh, Buckeye Arizona, excuse me. Uh, Ohio uh, Buckeyes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My dad went to Ohio State, so I am a Buckeye fan. I know. But, uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, he uh, he had a big game against us uh, two years ago, and so we're going to be watching him pretty carefully. And then one of the other guys that jumped out to me was number 95 defensive tackle Jalen Goss, senior, 6'1", 300 pounds. I guess just a load. So we're going to be running around him, not through him, on Saturday. <laughs> oh, I think that's a good challenge for Lewis Kidd and the boys. Oh, absolutely. I think we'll be able to run the ball on them, and I think that will set up just enough to get our passing game going that we're going to improve upon our third down conversions enough to keep them off the field, sustain some drives, and we're going to be able to stuff their running game, but it's all going to come down to can we get to Cookus, can we hit Cookus, and can we protect the zone? Those are where it comes down to me. Those are my big question marks. No, I think you're exactly right. I think if our strength right now has been our defensive line. So if we can get to Cookus and then, you know, if he's still hitting some spots early on, that's fine. But if we're getting to him and knocking him around like we've done in the last couple of weeks, and if you've looked at our guys or like, you know, Jawan Carter, if you looked at. I feel uh, so guy. bad for quarterbacks that <laughs> we've been just hammering people. Oh, they're just limping by the end of the game. And that's what I would want to see Cookus. I just want to see him limping by the end. No, I'm not trying to wish injury. I, 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 I want that to be clear. No, but I want just, us you to want to hit him it. enough that he is hurt. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I mean, here's mean. the footsteps of Bryce Sturt coming that he's just, you know, all of a sudden just quenches and just holds that ball just a little bit tighter and just makes decisions that he's not normally making. So that's what I really hope. So that, yeah, I think the Bobcats, if they do that, we're going to win. They're number one in the Big Sky Conference with 40 points a game, like you said. And so we're going to have to put up some points ourselves. I think that's going to come largely through the ground game, and that's going to set up our play action. I think Tucker Rovich is going to have some some time to just go over to the top and some big plays on the field. So the balance of offense attack from the Cats, 
I think will really help in this game. And I think that a huge factor is that this game is at home. I think that's going to be huge for us. And this is the second straight road game for NU. They were at Illinois State last week, so that's another road trip for them. And this is the first conference game for Chris Ball, his first experience of like a legitimate Big Sky conference game against one of the traditional powers, Montana State. And it was going to be a pretty good environment. I I, I like us in this matchup. I, there's a lot to like um, the passing game. I think they'll score their points. I think they'll get plenty of yards throwing the ball, but can they score in the red zone when it matters? Can they run the ball when they need? That's where I think the game will. Yeah, I think we're going to out physical them. And so I, I wouldn't be surprised if Northern Arizona comes out hot and takes an early lead. But I, I think we're eventually going to wear them down. Plan B is to always get Case Cookus ejected for target. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Pretty funny. Like that's one of the more comical oh stories I've read in college football. A quarterback yeah. got himself ejected for targeting. Ah oh, man. <laughs> for those who don't remember, this would have been what two years ago in Missoula. Cookus launched himself at a Grizz player, got himself ejected <laughs> for targeting, and pretty much like was taunting the crowd on the way out. And they're all booing him. So it's a good time. It's a good time. <laughs> oh geez. You know, and just to like wrap up this NAU talk, I just want to reiterate, I think this is personal to Choate at this point. He has two narrow losses. I think he just wants to put this this one in the way. <laughs> and so I, I, I'm pretty sure he's feeling that. He knows what 2017 felt like losing on a two-point conversion uh, after hitting a touchdown to Cassis with 30 seconds left. He knows in 2016 losing by a late touchdown there where we are, excuse me, we fumbled on our last position and the NAU was able to salt away the game. He knows and he, he's not forgotten for sure. So I think yeah. that alone is going to just give the fire to the Bobcats that they're going to need in order to just like stomp the Lumberjacks, hopefully. Sounds good. I, I hope you're right. All right, man. So let's move on to the back half of our show, or not back half. If if it's only half, we're sorry. <laughs> we'll <Yeah>. just, <laughs> Been about an hour. We'll just uh, so let's uh, let's recap our bold predictions from last week, Thorny. Thorny, we'll start with you, man. You said uh, yeah. we were. You, you said what did you say? What was your bold prediction last? Week? That we would rush for three hundred yards as a team, which we almost got to by halftime. Pretty sure. There you go. So four forty nine total. You were right, Thorny. Congratulations for me. I said we would have four or greater sacks. We had four on the button. So both you and I, high fives to us, dude. Bryce Sturk had three and a half of those <laughs> four sacks. Mondre Williams had the other half of the sack. <laughs> they got to share some. Sturk can't get them all. Oh, my gosh. Sturk called Amandre in his presser a day late and a dollar short. <laughs> that, that was pretty funny. Just definitely a, little, think, a little jab yeah. at his teammate. Like, got to be a little faster <laughs> if you want that sack, man. <laughs> Got to wake up pretty in the morning, early in the morning, if you want to beat out Bryce Sturt. <laughs> Day late and dollar short, Manje. Let that sit in your crop for <laughs> for a week, huh? <laughs> well, that's I think that's good, like uh, banter, like competition, like they're fighting for the sack. Like that's only gonna make him want it more, you know. I love it, man. I love, I it. love it. Okay, so let's move on to our new bold predictions for this. We got that Case Cookus is gonna throw for less than two hundred twenty-five yards. Wow. Okay, I like bold. it. I like it. That is bold. Surge bold, for sure. Super surge. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, for me, I think we have a pick six. 
That's pretty bold too, because we haven't really got anywhere near a nice pick six interception yet. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm going to go crazy if we do. So pick six, that that is definitely a bold prediction. I like how both our bold predictions are having to do with Case Cook is sucking. <laughs> Maybe it's wishful thinking is what these bold predictions are. Going down, Cookies. All right. So you ready for some buy or sell? Let's do it. All right, Thorny, you're on the hot seat. Buy or sell, Thorny. Tucker Rovig is QB1. Bye, 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 bye. Yeah, that's easy one right there. Easy right All now. right. Buy or sell. This is a revenge, a quote, a revenge game for Choke. I would say bye. I wouldn't have said that before listening to the press conference, but uh, yeah, definitely brought up some past things that happened, and it's like, all right, yeah, I could see the revenge aspect of it. So yeah, I'll buy it. Okay. And last one, buy or sell, Thorny. Six-year seniors. We have Case Cook is as a six-year senior. Our old man, no pro throw, last year was a six-year senior. Are you buying or selling six-year seniors? I mean, you got to buy them. It's, it's comical at the very least. I mean, didn't we have one pretty recently, a six-year senior? Oh, there was that uh, Eastern linebacker who, like J.C. Sherritt, or it wasn't he like yeah. a, like an eight-year player too? <laughs> the guy that just played forever. The one that really just, yeah. really just stuck in my crowd, Joe Prothrow, because that guy just, just pummeled us every time. Yeah, right. We we just I'm, couldn't handle Cal Poly. The fourth quarter. Let's not even talk about it. Yeah. Moving on. All right. Drink your beer, Thorny. You're off the hot seat. Bully, buy or sell. Tucker Rovig has QB1. I was buying that back in June, so I'm still buying it. Number two, buy or sell. This is revenge game for Choke. Yeah, I, I wrote that question with that thought in mind. I for sure think this is a revenge game. Uh, I think it, he's out for blood. <laughs> How about that, Tony? Nice. like it. All right. Third, buy or sell six-year seniors. I'm selling six-year seniors. I think if if you're still in college playing football for six years, uh, you know, you should just – you've had some injuries. It's time to hang it up. (laughs) I I don't know. I just – I think it's a silly concept to be still playing football for your respective school after six years. So there's a little bit of respect for sure, but I don't know. In in general, the concept of being a six-year senior, I'm going to sell. I didn't think about the scholastic side of things. Like, what, did you graduate two years ago? I mean, honestly, (laughs) yeah, they could be uh, two years into their graduate program. You know, that's crazy. Yeah. Why not? I still buy it. So, Thorny, we're here, man. So let's call to action. All right, as usual, subscribe to us anywhere you listen to your podcast. We can be found anywhere you listen to podcasts. Leave us a review anywhere that you listen to our podcast. Make sure to also follow the Big Sky Podcast Network, who puts out some good Big Sky Conference content for everyone to enjoy. Um, I guess I should mention where you can find us. You probably know by now, but we are at on Twitter, rrcatcast. You can email us at rrcatcast at gmail.com or find us on bobcatnation.com. And be sure to also keep submitting your golden koozie questions. Like, but uh, sounds like supplies are limited, so get your questions in before we are out of them. And I'd also like to throw out here that we do have some sponsorship spots available, some ad slots. So feel free to reach out to us at rrcatcast at gmail dot com, and I'll get in contact with you and give us uh, some other packages we have. So just uh, want to thank everyone again for listening. And as usual, let's end it with a go cats. Go Cats.